The podcast is also sponsored by my good friend Tiger at It's Tiger Music on Instagram at itztiger.music. You can find all his work on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. He does all the music and tracks for the Block Hash podcast. Go check him out. Also, don't forget to check out Blockhash Plus on Patreon. This is something that's new, where you can learn more about trading, technical analysis, and charting, all for the price of two cups of coffee a month. That's pretty damn cheap. Sign up at patreon.com slash Blockhash. And last but definitely not least, Blockhash is offering consulting for all your blockchain needs. Buying, exchanging, selling, safe storage, tokenization, NFT creation, point of sale, you name it. We can help you. Go to blockhashpodcast.com slash consulting and let's talk. What's going on, guys? It is Friday, March 5th, episode 114. And this week on the podcast, I have Michael O'Rourke, CEO of Pockets. No, not Hot Pockets, the Pocket Network. So you're probably asking yourself, what is Pockets? Pockets is providing trustless access to full APIs for any blockchain client using the global distributed network of Pockets and their army of node operators. Don't worry, it'll all make sense. Listen to the episode and check it out. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter that comes out on every single Monday to get a full block hash research analysis breakdown on the market and what's going on it's free so hey what do you got to lose go subscribe and don't forget to share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain pockets and my man michael enjoy michael how you doing welcome to the podcast i'm great brendan thanks for having me here yeah of course of course all right. So before we jump into Pocket, because I'm going to learn a lot about what Pocket is, and I'm sure going to have a lot of questions to follow up on. Tell me a little bit about um, yourself and your your personal backgrounds. Like, what did you do before this? Um, was there something that got you excited about wanting to be in this in this industry in blockchain? Um, yeah, give me a little bit of background for my audience. Yeah, I have a pretty broad background at this point. Uh, and for some uh, for some context, I was born in the Caribbean, Dominican Republic, moved over here to Tampa, Florida when I was two years old. Uh, and that's important because I've uh, spent um, uh, several times having, having used Western Union, uh, mm-hmm. sending money to my family in terms of my first entry into crypto. And 2008, you know, paid a lot, uh, paid a lot of attention to the Occupy Wall Street movement, learned a lot about the financial system, really the first time I really dug into it at that point and uh, studied history in college, uh, taught myself to code. Uh, I was an iOS engineer for about three years. Uh, before that, uh, uh, I had actually failed out of college, uh, smoked too much weed and played too much World of Warcraft. And- uh, Don't uh, we all? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, uh, just kind of meandered around working at various jobs from golf courses to credit unions, learned a lot about uh, kind of the, the local financial system, working at several credit unions as selling loans and this sort of thing. It wasn't until uh, I kind of straightened up a little bit. Uh, I graduated college in 2015 with an international studies degree and uh, had already learned to code. So I moved out to Silicon Valley for about uh, six months looking for, for work. Um, ended up finding a job all the way down in Sarasota, Florida uh, in 2016 when I met my co-founders uh, for Pocket Network. Um, previously, I, I had actually 
stumbled across Bitcoin in 2013. I had read a, uh, a Wired article about the Silk Road and, and that led me to the subreddit, uh, uh, the Bitcoin subreddit. And really that's when I really uh, fell in love with crypto, uh, read the white paper uh, and just really, you know, haven't, haven't left since. Uh, I, remember, I remember watching Vitalik uh, announce uh, Ethereum at the Bitcoin um, Miami conference uh, in January, 2014. At the time, you know, I was pretty, you know, I would say I was a Bitcoin maximalist, but I was pretty, uh, uh, pretty deep into Bitcoin at the time. And I was like, oh, this is this is vaporware. Uh, Ethereum's not not, not going to do anything. And it wasn't really until 2016 when my co-founders, when I met my co-founders, and we started writing some smart contracts uh, on Ethereum, when my mind was just absolutely blown. Uh, uh, and that's really when we started coming up with the first idea for Pocket as well. Um, but but generally have a pretty uh, uh, have a pretty broad background with with lots of different kinds of odd jobs from restaurants to you know, credit unions to golf courses and so on and so forth. Yeah, I think my first real introduction to to crypto was Bitcoin in like 2013 when it had that that first little bubble that run up to like 1,200 bucks or something like that, and it was like all over the news and. Everyone's like, what's this Bitcoin thing? Like, what's going on? What's going on with this tulip mania in the digital world? And it was fascinating because it just started a whole new uh, like trend of economics and like what, what economics can be and what value can be. But um, I think most people generally have the same answer, but it's, it's cool too. Ethereum is something I really um, got into, which really propelled me into the industry as well. Just, you know, being able to, build on blockchain like that wasn't really thought of for for years after until ethereum came along yeah that's exactly right i mean i didn't really know how to contribute to bitcoin other than you know buy and hold uh, and, and to your point i remember i remember you know you know I, I wasn't really that technical at the time and i i remember uh you know buying at six hundred dollars uh, i think it was sometime in the second half of the year you know and, and seeing that run up up to 1200 and then Really buying all the way down for eighteen months, <laughs> somehow, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, which which is which is interesting, but but yeah, it wasn't until until I I learned to code myself and and started really you know trying to write some smart contracts. That's that's really where, you know, what really really got me excited, just because it it had just, you know, I like to compare it a lot to when I was learning to code for iOS because um, it was when Apple released uh, their programming language called Swift, and they really lowered the barrier of entry for people to learn to code through Swift, mm -hmm. um, you know, they have this software called Xcode and they just make it almost drag and drop easy to kind of code your first very simple application. And for me, Ethereum, you know, it wasn't quite drag and drop nor is it drag and drop right now, but uh, to be able to lower the barrier, to be able to contribute and, and build, you know, your own protocols uh, without anyone's permission is just absolutely mind blowing and has obviously uh, changed the world. Yeah, absolutely. Is Pocket the first thing you attempted to build or did you try and build some other stuff before that? No, you know, we actually tried to build something called Telcoin, actually. Um, what's, what's Telcoin? Yeah, yeah. Telcoin was, uh, uh, you know, this idea of tokenizing your cell phone data, right? So we had this whole idea where um, uh, people would be able to create their own, um, we'd be able to incentivize people to create their own cell towers, actually. Um, you know, there's this uh, type of cell phone company uh, or, or type of organization you can you can build here in the United States where, uh, you know, the larger providers have to rent you by law, uh, uh, kind of their, their cell service. Mm -hmm. And um, we dug pretty deep into that for a couple of months and just realized, you know, uh, uh, the, the technology wasn't really there yet. 
And it was kind of in the process of building these smart contracts, kind of exploring is really when we kind of um, uh, saw the problem of pocket and, and really saw that that was something that we could build and that was really needed in the space at the time. So, um, but yeah, the first idea was to be able to, you know, you know, fly to fly to Paris and and uh, uh, seamlessly uh, be able to pay for for international calls and and data and this sort of thing. Uh, I mean, that's not a bad idea. That's actually like a pretty good idea off the cuff there, because that is a huge problem. Yeah, you know, it was, it was you know, five G was starting to pick up, uh, and and the idea was, you know, we'd be able to incentivize all these you know crazy five G towers, and 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 you know, people would have, you know, we'd accelerate this kind of uh, uh, bandwidth across the world, right? Uh, you know, but but thankfully, smarter people than me have done that, like like Elon Musk and and, and the like. So, um, uh, yeah. So so they're working on some interesting stuff on that side. But, but yeah, yeah. So so Telcoin was the first thing, and we just evolved it into into Pocket after after a few months. Sweet. Yeah. So let's let's dive into Pocket and um, unveil it a little bit. What what is Pocket or the Pocket Network? Like, what does it do? Why is it important? Like, what's it solving? Yeah, I'll, I'll try to give you some context as to how we kind of stumbled yeah. across it first. Um, you know, like I said, we were writing some smart contracts in Ethereum. We use a service that's uh, pretty well known today called Infura. And uh, through Infura, it was just, it's a very simple API where they run Ethereum full nodes. Uh, they provide a nice kind of like a gateway that provides a, an endpoint or an API for developers to be able to build their applications super easily, right? And uh, over the course of 2017, uh, especially that bull market, we saw the importance of Infura uh, uh, for the Ethereum ecosystem. And we saw the reliance that Ethereum had on Infura at the time. Um, I think upwards of, of 80% of all requests at the time were going through Infura. And uh, part of our core thesis is that we believe there's going to be hundreds or eventually thousands of blockchains governing our lives in the future. So we started thinking about what would a protocol look like that could provide this Infura-like service in a decentralized way, effectively. So what we came on was a primitive of incentivizing people to run full nodes. So, so in a couple of ways, you know, you can think of Pocket as a decentralized API, where instead of connecting to a centralized endpoint, uh, you can connect through the Pocket protocol and uh, have a bunch of full nodes there waiting to provide you service. These full nodes uh, provide the service, they submit some information of the pocket blockchain and then earn the inflation or the block rewards of the pocket blockchain itself. Uh, but fundamentally, it's a two-sided marketplace. Instead of developers paying a monthly fee, they stake our native cryptocurrency pocket and um, uh, it's a one-time payment. So it actually ends up being significantly cheaper. And on the other side, you have on the supply side, you have nodes providing this, this kind of API-like service, uh, which is effectively access to full nodes mm -hmm. for, for any blockchain. Is, is it a full node that anyone can set up to like participate in the network or is it like an incentive incentivization? I can't even say the word. Is it incentivized? <laughs> um, or uh, like, yeah, yeah, what's the deal with that? Yeah. So, so that's the thing, right? Uh, Pocket incentivizes people to run full nodes. So we've got a whole host of kind of providers in the network that have already been running full nodes, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they're staking as, staking as a service providers, Maybe there are other infrastructure providers, uh, but they already have a bunch of full nodes running. Uh, Pocket provides an opportunity for them to, to you know, improve their margins, right? Because they're earning, you know, Pocket as a uh, as income, right? Mm -hmm. um, the other side is is we've got a ton of people. You know, we've probably got a dozen people now who have you know 
you know, zero to hero have learned to become DevOps, uh, junior DevOps engineers, uh, uh, effectively from scratch. Um, uh, and they've just been incentivized to run full notes, uh, uh, right? Because they want to, you know, uh, uh, learn about pocket, you know, run some nodes and, and so on and so forth. Um, it's pretty, you know, right now you need to, you know, you, you can make your way around a terminal. Uh, uh, you know, you don't need to know too much. Uh, uh, you should be able to get a pocket node up uh, in a couple hours at most. So, are there requirements for that? Like, do you have to own like a certain amount of pocket to make the node run? Or because I know like other blockchains they have requirements like that. Like Ethereum's like thirty something. Ethereum Horizons somewhere similar to that too. Is yeah? Is there like a limit or requirement? Yeah, there's definitely a requirement. Pocket at its core is a proof of stake protocol. And um, this initial stake is really important for the consensus in terms of keeping the ledger safe and also keeping the nodes honest, right? So that 15,000 pocket you need to participate as a node is what allows uh, the trustless part of the protocol to operate. Because if I'm a node, since I have this money staked, if I uh, lie or cheat within the protocol, it will slash or delete your money. Right, so um, mm-hmm. uh, that's a really important component of the protocol itself. How how does Pocket work exactly, and like who is it built for? Like, I'm still trying to grasp, um, you know, the concept because I've gone through the website a couple of times, but I'm not quite connecting the dots exactly. Um, can, you, can you better explain that on a surface level? Yeah, so. Every time you're using, let's say, a DeFi application um, like Zapper or MyCrypto or Zerion or Compound, it doesn't matter, right? Um, you're seeing your balance, right? Or MetaMask, your balance on, on MetaMask. MetaMask is a great example. Um, that data of your, of your, you know, let's say your Ethereum balance has to come from somewhere. So the, mm-hmm. in the MetaMask software, they connect through these things called APIs. Uh, uh, application programming interfaces that allow you to send data to a server somewhere. And these servers are running Ethereum full nodes where this request for my balance gets sent to that full node. It looks mm-hmm. into the Ethereum history and, and, and finds your, let's say the latest block, right? Your balance on the latest block. Um, uh, so through these APIs is what every, um, every blockchain application is built. Uh, the problem is that uh, uh, all these APIs are centralized companies, and and there's some there's some issues with that in terms of cost, in terms of privacy, and of course, um, uh, you know, especially with a lot of the issues we've seen over the last three to six months, um, centralization is becoming uh, more more important as well. But fundamentally, um, uh, when I make a request through Pocket Network, it goes through a similar process. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it goes through kind of an endpoint or an API. Uh, that the node then uh, uh, services that request. So, you know, Brandon's balance is, is 15 ETH, right? Sends it back to the application. And what's important here is that both the application and the node are in this signature game. Uh, and that's what makes Pocket, uh, uh, that's what allows the Pocket to be trustless in this respect. So the application signs with, uh, on the Pocket side, uh, using a Pocket uh, or SDK, which is just a developer tool and says, mm-hmm. hey, request, uh, I'm requesting this balance. The node receives it and says, and signs also with the pocket private keys and says, hey, here you go, I've, I've um, uh, served you this balance. And what the node does is uh, accumulate all these, what we call relay proofs, um, uh, which is 
uh, some of the information, the signature information, the application information, node information. And this node will hold you know, thousands or millions of these proofs. Uh, that node will then generate something called a Merkle sum tree, uh, which is mm -hmm. a derivative of the Merkle tree, which, is, which has been pretty popularized by Ethereum. And the node then submits the root of that tree to the pocket blockchain. And that's how nodes are kept honest, uh, uh, requesting responding data from applications. Yeah. Have you guys had like any use cases um, as of lately or any that are um, notable that really help uh, give an example of like where Pocket can go and what it can do that um, you guys are proud of having seen or that's just recent? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of our largest users is MyCrypto. So mm -hmm. if you've ever used a MyCrypto wallet, um, they use Pocket uh, uh, to show your balances and this sort of thing. Zapper.fi as well um, is, is, a, is a protocol that's, or a product that's using Pocket today. Um, you might be familiar with uh, Scale Network. Uh, mm -hmm. They're currently using us in our testnet or on the test testnet on Pocket. Um, oh, cool. And really any, any Ethereum application uh, that you use today is, is very likely capable of using Pocket right now, actually. Are there like real world APIs um, that, you know, could switch and like utilize Pocket more that are pretty popular? Um, I, I feel like that's an avenue that you guys can definitely go down. When you say real world APIs, um, are you referring to things like um, um, stuff outside blockchain, I guess, like APIs that, you know, that are common, yeah. that commonly used, um, you know, Absolutely. in the US or I guess anywhere, because I guess everyone uses an API. <laughs> yeah. um, but like more broadly speaking, outside of blockchain, um, is I bet there's a lot of different industries, almost every industry that it could, you know, eventually reach or touch. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Pocket works with any um, openly accessible database. Um, so what I mean mm -hmm. by that is, for example, if I want to use Pocket for um, sports APIs, right, where I want to get the scores of the Super Bowl from you know CBS, ESPN.com, and Yahoo.com, um, mm -hmm. you can use Pocket to um, verify some of that data, uh, right, and and receive that data in a trustless manner, right. So um, really open source, any, any open source database at this point. Um, you know, I, I'm sure lots of, um, you know, probably, um, machine learning, um, uh, databases and these sorts of things that are already open source, uh, could absolutely be used in pocket, right. Mm -hmm. And helping, you know, share that kind of compute and that sort of thing. Um, so, so that's where pocket really shines. Yeah. How could, how could that plug into machine learning? Like where's the integration there? Well, it's more it's more taking the the data sets from uh, uh, that that machine learning uh, uh, the people mm -hmm. building you know using machine learning building machine learning models uh, uh, are, are using right and you can mm -hmm. potentially host host those on Pocket actually get paid to do it right so oh, um, interesting okay yeah yeah so if, you know there's a you know, some schema or database that's um, consistent across the board you can have a bunch of people running you know a simple database that hosts the schema uh, or you know the information. And as long as it's uh, uh, the same across the board, uh, you can actually get paid to provide that data, which is which is quite interesting. Yeah, you're making me want to set up a node. Like, <laughs> I, I I just want to get paid right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, part of our part of our vision is is that you know my mom will be able to run a pocket node, um, you know, almost mm -hmm. like a Wi-Fi router in her home. Right. I, I see a future where you've got a bunch of these protocols that are kind of starting to um, layer on top of each other. 
in many ways, right? Like Handshake for DNS, Pocket, you know, for 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 infrastructure, Althea, um, you know, there's gonna there's a bunch of Tor type protocols like Hopper and these sorts of things. Uh, I see a future where we kind of have these boxes, you know, living in our homes that are you know allowing us access to Web three while you know, providing us various incentives for, for, for participating and, and, and giving that compute, right? Uh, so, so I think one day, uh, as, as the tooling improves, we'll get there. Gotcha. Also saw on the website, I'm still scrolling through it right now, um, looking for all the cool stuff that you guys are doing. It seems like a lot, um, but it said that you guys, you know, support Ethereum Do you, and a few other things. Do you guys support or going to support potentially other blockchains, you know, that are up and coming that seem to have a lot of growth, like a Polkadot or Cardano or Hedera Hashgraph, or is it mostly based for uh, blockchains like Ethereum that need a leg up? Um, or like, what's the what's the sense? Yeah, you can think of Pocket almost like a Uniswap for blockchain infrastructure. Uh, mm-hmm. We can support any one of these open source blockchains, right? In fact, we support ten or eleven today. Um, mm-hmm. From the Ethereum test nets to XDAI to Bitcoin, um, RSK. Um, so we're not limited to just kind of EVM or Ethereum based uh, nodes. Uh, uh, we'll be providing infrastructure for Hydra DX, which is a parachain, for example. Sweet. Um, so so it's really unlimited. Uh, really, to to add a new blockchain to Pocket, it's uh, a couple lines of configuration on your node. So you just have to run the full node for the given blockchain, and then kind of point. The configuration from your pocket node to that blockchain node, and that's it. Um, it doesn't really require any um, uh, any changes or anything like that on the on the protocol side. Nice, nice. And there's a pocket token, right? Yeah. So pocket's its own blockchain, actually. Um, we, oh, okay. we really, for some history, uh, we tried everything we could to not make pocket as its own blockchain. Um, if you dig Why? deep into a repository on GitHub, you'll you'll see the first. Um, because it's hard to build a blockchain now. <laughs> sure, <laughs> uh, it's 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 hard. Um, uh, it's it's definitely uh, been been a journey. Um, if you dig into our first uh, in our, our repository, you'll actually see the first smart contracts that we tried to build Pocket as um, on Ethereum. But we found that it was far too expensive in terms of fees uh, uh, for the protocol to be um, sufficiently efficient for uh, what we were trying to do. We looked at state channels. We looked at Plasma. And uh, eventually we landed on, on Tendermint as, as kind of the base layer for Pocket. At the time, Tendermint was by far the, the most battle-tested um, kind of consensus protocol uh, at the time. And um, uh, we kind of went home with, uh, went in on, on the Tendermint ecosystem. Yeah, I kind of, for some reason, thought that you guys were built on Ethereum because it just seems like everything in this space is still built on Ethereum. <laughs> so it, it's cool when you come across a project or I get to do an interview or a podcast episode and it's their own blockchain, their own project. I'm like, oh, cool. This is interesting versus, you know, just going through the same, oh, we're built on Ethereum or a layer for Ethereum kind of thing. Yeah. Pockets uh, built to solve one problem uh, really, really well. And that's uh, cheap, private, uh, redundant mm-hmm. infrastructure, uh, right? So so the Pocket token uh, has two use cases. Developers pay for the service by staking Pocket. The, the token and nodes have the right to do work Get the right to do work in the network by also staking the network or staking the network token as well. Do you know how big your node network is? Like, do you know how many nodes are out there, or do you have stats for that? Yeah, uh, we're right around two thousand nodes around the world right now. Nice. Um, so that's from Australia to Moscow to Europe to the Americas, and 
uh, right now they're serving Russia. <laughs> yeah, we've got a pretty strong um, Eastern European slash Russian community. Actually, it's quite it's quite interesting. Um, uh, some of the other users from our testnet were 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 pretty heavily from that from that part of the world, and they're all serving um, you know between five and seven million API requests a day in production for for production applications. Right, so um, it's pretty it's pretty interesting to see uh, how that work gets distributed. Right, and what's interesting is that in Pocket you actually have five nodes uh, that are serving any one application at one time, right? And applications can choose to have, and this is through something called a session, and, and applications can choose to have as many sessions as they want serving their own, you know, let's say it's Zapper, for example, or MyCrypto or, or you know, MetaMask, doesn't matter. Um, you know, and you can have, uh, uh, you know, we have one application that has 100 nodes serving it at any given point in time. And the thing about Pocket is that it rotates out these nodes every hour on the hour, uh, which is pretty mind-blowing if you think about it, because in the traditional um, kind of architecture, you have uh, you know, API, this API, and it's the same API in perpetuity. You're hitting the same one, right? And, and right. Um, we, we've managed to build this new architecture through this protocol that coordinates infrastructure on a global scale. And it's just incredibly exciting and, and mind-blowing, to be honest. Is congestion or latency uh, like ever an issue with that? Um, and is it easily solvable by just adding more nodes to the network or is, um, I, I don't know, maybe that's not an issue at all because you know better than I do. No, that's a really great question. Um, it definitely uh, is an issue, um, uh, right? Because uh, you're, you're actually getting a global set of nodes, uh, right? So uh, it might take, for some context, um, anything under 300 milliseconds is basically under human perception, right? So, so you'll see a page load, and as long as it loads under 300 milliseconds, um, it's it's under kind of the 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 the, the perception that we, um, you, know, uh, uh, you know, see as humans when we're loading up this web page. Um, pockets, uh, most of the requests at this point are uh, between 400 and 600 milliseconds. Uh, there's there's a couple of reasons for that. One, uh, these are raw Ethereum nodes, and this is probably the biggest reason for the for the latency. Whereas a centralized company has lots of optimizations with like caching, um, these extra databases, indexing, and this sort of thing. Right now, at least, um, you're hitting just raw geth nodes uh, through mm -hmm. Pocket. So that's a really big reason for the latency. And for, for kind of comparison, it'll probably take between 50 and 100. You know, if, if, you're, if someone's on the other side of the world, it'll probably take max 150 milliseconds for that request to go back and forth between the two. So um, even then, it's not that big of a deal, um, mm -hmm. particularly when I have a random set of nodes. One might be in New York, one might be in San Francisco, one might be in you know Singapore, one might be in France, right? So I'll be able to receive data more quickly from the closer nodes while the other ones kind of catch up uh, as well. So um, yeah, so that's not too big of an issue, but for us, the biggest issue is, is kind of these optimizations on the node level where they can have some local caches and indexes and these sorts of things to make things much more quickly because the challenge is that Ethereum nodes are not optimized for uh, a speed of requests. They're they're you know really optimized for these um, you know as peer-to-peer -peer networks for resili resiliency in these peer-to-peer -peer networks. So so um, you know the database in, in Ethereum is is this tree structure and uh, it can take a long time to to query that information. Uh, so a lot of these services have um, done a really good job of having you know kind of more traditional optimized databases to be able to provide data, and we expect to get there within the next. 
three to six months, actually, uh, pretty, uh, pretty consistently under sub 300 milliseconds per request. Yeah, three to six months is pretty quick in this space since everything seems to take forever. <laughs> um, but yeah, what what if like demand traffic or pings, you know, to a node like all of a sudden like start going up because you guys have some future integration with a I don't know Mailchimp or um, or Stripe, which gives me so many problems. I hate Stripe right now, or or something else that's you know API based in a lot of ways. You know, could have a use case with you guys that could drive traffic or, you know, pings or requests through a node. Is that something that could potentially slow it down and make it, you know, harder to rely on? Or is that solved again, simply through, you know, just getting more nodes out there that are so more, there's more optionality. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, so that's not a problem because an application can, what I mentioned about the sessions before they can choose yeah. to be in as many sessions as they want. And we would recommend, we would recommend an application like MailChimp, you know, it's probably in the billions of requests, right, a day. Yeah. To split up their requests across probably hundreds or thousands of sessions, right? So if I have a thousand okay. sessions, I then have 5,000 nodes with that work split up evenly across those, those 5,000 nodes, as an example. So the protocol naturally load balances this work without any problems, right? And of course, as demand goes up, that creates a stronger incentive for more nodes to get spun up as well. Uh, so you have a natural kind of marketplace here where um, uh, uh, you know, the, the capacity of the total nodes, right, uh, uh, will increase as the uh, throughput of the network goes up. Um, the difference though, what's interesting about this is, is, is if you take Uber as an example, um, one driver, you know, as the supply side of the network can only have, you know, five, maybe seven people in a car, right? Um, the difference with Pocket and, and kind of an infrastructure protocol like Pocket is that one infrastructure provider could actually scale to as much infrastructure as they need, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, pretty quickly and easily, right? So, so there's some nice elasticity on the supply side when it comes to the node counts and, and these sorts of things. Uh, right now, you know, um, each individual node is just receiving a fraction of the traffic, right? Uh, and that's just because the incentives are such that it's, you know, it's, it's profitable right now to, 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 you know, to have 2000 nodes and, you know, 5 million requests a day, for example. Okay. Yeah. That makes, that makes more sense. What's your guys's roadmap look like for 2021? Like what's the plan for this year? Like, are you guys just going to keep, um, you know, going forward and trying to get more nodes out there? Do you guys have things you're trying to push out in terms of like upgrades or updates and things like that, or, um, new clients you're reaching for, or like, what's, what's, what's the plan? Yeah, um, we've got a couple of big protocol releases uh, on the forefront, um, uh, 6.0 and 7.0, respectively. Uh, one, uh, uh, they're both pretty big optimization uh, uh, improvements for the protocol. Um, outside of that, we have two um, releases on the product side that we're really excited for. Um, the first one being the Pocket Dashboard. Um, this is a nice product that a developer will have uh, uh, the same kind of experience as you would using a centralized service provider. And it'll be a very automated self-serve. I can um, use Pocket in the background. We're in fact staking Pocket for you on the background. Uh, our free tier is, is a million requests a day, um, uh, uh, which, is, which is quite nice. And um, this will allow developers to easily come in and, and try Pocket by getting an API endpoint or an endpoint for their, for their application and, and try it out. Um, and we expect that to grow and change in time. Um, and what's great is that this is all open source. Uh, uh, so we really hope that uh, people build their own 
gateway businesses and dashboard businesses, we think that might be um, super lucrative. We're just really trying to show the path here more than anything. Um, and the other thing that we're really, really excited for is, is Wrapped Pocket. Um, we're actually um, uh, launching Wrapped Pocket, hopefully in a couple months. And uh, what this does is uh, allow anyone to crowdsource infrastructure for their favorite applications. So right now, ah. yeah, yeah. If I, if I am, if I am um, you know, right now, really the only people, you know, who would be interested in Pocket are a developer or a node runner. That's it. Um, through Wrapped Pocket, uh, we're actually using the Ampleforth token geyser contract on the back end. You'll be able to stake Wrapped Pocket for your favorite applications and earn a yield in Wrapped Pocket. And by staking Wrapped Pocket, you're getting that application free infrastructure and you're also driving more relays to Pocket Network as well. So we kind of have this nice win-win-win scenario, uh, uh, which is something we're really, really excited for. Yeah, that's pretty cool. What was it called? Wrapped Pocket? Yeah, uh, wrapped pocket. So W pocket. Um, we have a, a kind of green paper uh, uh, on our forums, and uh, we're we're kind of going with this uh, regenerative finance theme uh, because uh, uh, you're actually helping improve the the decentralization of Ethereum just by staking towards these applications, right? And you're actually regenerating um, uh, a lot of the uh, uh, capital and information that's being sent through the information through through the network, right? So it's something we're really really excited for. Damn, I'm gonna have to get some bags of wrapped pocket, and stash those away for a few years. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, we're we're doing a, a balancer kind of LBP distribution uh, at the same time that we launch it. So, um, yeah, feel free to keep an eye for that. Sweet. Where's your community at generally? Is it on Discord or Telegram or just generally in social media? Where do people go to talk about all their pockets? <laughs> <laughs> Discord is 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 our home. Um, okay, we've done a lot of work with our Discord. We like to think it's actually one of the more um, uh, well done and unique Discords in the space. Um, Jack, our our governance lead, um, uh, we've we've actually designed this this game around Pocket, um, and it's almost like a proof of knowledge. Where as you use Pocket as a node or developer, eventually wrapped Pocket, you can claim these quests just naturally by participating in the protocol. And uh, this is all done through the Discord, uh, actually. So you, you know, post the quests, you claim it, and you kind of level up through this game. And once you reach a certain level, you can actually automatically claim a vote through Pockets Governance uh, uh, and participate in the DAO, actually. Um, so we don't have any token voting or anything like that. Um, uh, it's purely based uh, kind of like on a proof of knowledge, if you will, uh, an anti-civil, uh, a civil-resistant uh, proof of knowledge kind of system. And it's all done through our Discord. So it's something we're really proud of. You guys on social media as well, or where can people go to stay up to date on what Pocket's doing? Yeah, POKT Network, at POKT Network. We have a couple newsletters. I definitely recommend signing up for those. We have our our, totally. our, 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 our weekly relay recap, and we've got mm -hmm. kind of a more monthly, uh, more broad, um, uh, kind of about what we're building and that sort of thing. We're starting some community calls on our Discord. Um, uh, these will be weekly. Uh, and and it's something we're 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 pretty excited for. But POKT Network uh, is is the Twitter handle. Cool. You hear that, people? Go sign up for the for the <laughs> damn newsletter, the damn Pocket newsletter. And <laughs> I don't know what your people are doing, but come on, sign up for that thing. Um, I know the struggle of trying to push a newsletter. <laughs> Anyways, um, Michael, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. I, I learned a lot about Pocket. Um, I think a lot of people will uh, take a lot away from this as well. It's really cool what you're doing. 
uh, it'll be cool to see how everything plays out over the course of the next couple of years, or uh, probably this year. This year's moving so damn fast. It is. Um, geez, January alone felt like a whole year. February is just—it's never going to end, huh? Twenty twenty-one. It's crazy. Dude, we're halfway through February already. This is—it's it's going by too fast. <laughs> I, I feel like we're in twenty twenty-two already. Like, this has yeah. been a long month. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brandon. This was a great conversation. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Stay, uh, get healthy and stay safe. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs>